0: What's going on, guys? It's Danny from Fantasy Stock Exchange here, and today I'll be going through my running back starts and sits where basically I break down every single running back matchup, who to start, who to sit, and who's a viable flex option. So a start will indicate a running back that I have top 24 level confidence in as a play. A flex means that you can put them in your lineup in a pinch with both top 40-ish level expectation. And a sit means that the juice is not worth the squeeze. They don't crack my top 40 running backs going into this week. But I'm gonna be breaking down their utilization and ultimately what expected opportunity I have for them going into their week two matchup. But if you guys are watching this video, you're enjoying, make sure you leave a like down below. Comment in your favorite running back matchup of this week and subscribe to the channel. By the time I'm recording this video, we're currently just about 15,000 subscribers. So if we can get there by the time that this video goes live, we'll appreciate you guys a ton. But either way, before we get into the video, as always, let's hit that damn intro. All right, so before I get into the game-by-game analysis, here's the matchup chart, a chart that is a composite of 50% last year's rankings for these defenses and 50% from week one because we don't have enough information on how these defenses will be for the rest of the year. So we felt that it was a good composite to have Half of last year's, half of this year's make up the matchup chart. And you guys can see on the screen, but Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey, Daryl Henderson, all having extremely favorable matchups going into this week with guys like Leonard Fournette, Cordero Patterson, Derek Henry, all having unfavorable matchups this week going into week two for fantasy football. So. Let's get into the first game of the 1 p.m. slate, Commanders at Lions. Detroit is favored here by one and a half with a 48 and a half over under. And my advice here is that you're starting DeAndre Swift, you're starting Antonio Gibson, and you're sitting both J.D. McKissick and Jamal Williams. We know that when DeAndre Swift is healthy, he is a must start. He's an excellent receiver of the backfield, 66% row participation in week one. The only concern here is the ankle injury that he has been battling all week, but All reports are showing that he should be ready to go for week two. And as long as he's healthy, he's going to be a top 10 running back in my rankings. As far as Jamal Williams, he's not really a back I feel comfortable ranking in my top 40. So as a result, he's going to be a sit for me this week going up against the commanders. In terms of Washington's backfield, you can absolutely start Antonio Gibson with confidence as an RB2 at least until Brian Robinson gets back. We saw this past week 58% row participation and a 35% target per row run rate which is a big step up from what we saw from Gibson last year. The only real concern that I have here for Gibson in the short term is him potentially seeding all the long down and distance and two-minute work to JD McKissick. But speaking of JD McKissick, I don't really think that role in itself is enough to make you feel comfortable to flex him. So as a result, I'm going to lean sit. Next matchup, Dolphins at Ravens. Ravens are minus three and a half with an over-under of 44 and a half in this game. I'd feel comfortable with flexing Chase Edmonds and flexing whichever number one back we see from the Ravens, whether that's Kenyon Drake, if J.K. Dobbins is expected to miss, or if J.K. Dobbins is back in this game, I'm fine with flexing him as well. But for Chase Edmonds, we saw the opportunity to be the Dolphins lean back in all valuable situations in week one. He dominated routes. He dominated short down and distance and long down and distance work for the Dolphins. Only thing really up for debate here is the inside the five users of the team. But he show me enough, at least, to be considered a high-end RB3 for the time being. From the Ravens' perspective, if J.K. Dobbins is out, Kenyon Drake is another running back, I'm flexing. And with J.K. Dobbins, if he does actually return to this game, he is the only Ravens running back I'd feel comfortable with flexing. First game back, ACL kind of want to see how he gets used before I commit to him as a top 24 level expectation. But while I don't think top 24 expectations is reasonable, I do think top 40 should be in the range of outcomes for a guy like J.K. Dobbins if he does suit up for this game. Obviously, all of the other backups in this game R2B sits next matchup. We got jets at Browns. Browns are six and a half point favorites in this one with an over under of 40. And in this game, I'm comfortable starting Nick Chubb comfortable starting Kareem hunt. And I'm fine flexing both of the jets backs with Michael Carter and Brees Hall. We know that as long as Nick Chubb is healthy, he's going to be a top 24 running back in our rankings. And Kareem hunt this week is actually another running back. I'm more than comfortable starting with top 24 expectations this week. Obviously we knew that for the most part, Chubb would get all of the early down work, but as we see, Hunt captured all of that long down and distance and third down work of the Browns offense. The upside of Hunt is massive given this role that he showed in the Browns receiving game. And with his upside being a top five running back, if anything were to happen to Chubb in this game, Kareem Hunt's standalone value I think is as a low end running back too. But like I said, if Chubb goes down early in this game, he could be a player that works into the top five by the end of this week. In terms of the Jets backfield, as I kind of mentioned, you can feel comfortable flexing both of these backs. I expect Michael Carter to receive the majority of this work, but we saw in week one that they actually split the receiving work and Hall dominated all of the two minute work. So While I prefer Carter in the short term, I do expect within the next couple weeks that their opportunity shares will flip soon enough once Hall becomes fully acclimated as a pro. Obviously, this past week was his first career game in the NFL. I do think by week three, week four, maybe even week five we do see that these roles reverse in this Jets backfield where Carter is the ancillary piece and Hull is the main running back. Next matchup, we got the Colts going on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Colts are minus four in this game with a 45 and a half over under. And obviously you're starting JT. This is some rocket science. This is this past week's RB2 and last season's RB1 overall. He is an absolute stud. He's a workhorse. You're not sitting JT no matter what. I don't think I need to tell you that. In terms of the other running backs in this game, I temper all of their expectations to that RB3, RB4 type of range. Obviously, we saw this past week from the Colts, Hines was extremely efficient in week one. Despite a poor snap share and route participation, he actually commanded 27% targets per route run. He's still a good player, and he's always going to be efficient in my opinion but I don't know if relying on a third down back who splits third down work is a great bet rest of the season. So if Naeem Hines actually has a good game in this one, I'd actually try to package him along with maybe another piece to buy low on a running back with a much better projected workload for the rest of the season. In terms of the Jaguar side, I'm fine with flexing both of these options, but I do think it's worth noting that ETN was clearly the better used running back in week one. He got all of the valuable snaps. He dominated short down and distance, long down and distance, and two minute work. And aside from inside the five carries, ETN was the main running back here. I still view ETN as a high-end running back three this week. So RB 24 to 30 type of range. And James Robinson is more of a running back three, four type for me, RB 36 to 40 type of range. In terms of the next matchup, Panthers at Giants, Giants are two point favorites with a 43 and a half over under. It's Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Obviously, you are starting both of these running backs, both of these running backs figure into the top three of my running back rankings this week, you're starting them and only them out of this game. I just want to share this for everyone with CMC who was worried about the lack of overall touches in week one, you're all fine. And if someone in your league is actually worried about CMC, try and buy low, we do see this past week, he ran 77% of the routes obviously dominated all of that short down and distance, long down and distance inside the five types of situations. If you guys need any more reassurance that Christian McCaffrey is going to be a top three running back as long as he is healthy in 2022, this is exactly what I'm giving you here. Next matchup, we do have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on the road to face their hated rival in the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans is actually a two and a half point underdog over under of 44 in this game. And in terms of my advice, you're starting Leonard Fournette, you're starting Alvin Kamara, you're sitting everyone else. Let's, pretty much keep it brief these two running backs are clear work coaches from either side here we did see this past week against Dallas Cowboys that Leonard Fournette was dominant in terms of usage and actual performance in week one against the Cowboys and for Alvin Kamara's side Yes, his usage wasn't really ideal, but we actually heard after the game that it did materialize that he was battling a rib injury throughout the game. So, and as long as Alvin is himself, we should expect him to return to top 12 overall status at the running back position. So no real worries about Alvin Kamara, despite that lack of a game he had against the Atlanta Falcons, expecting him to bounce back in this one, especially from a utilization standpoint On to the next matchup. We do have the Patriots on the road against the Steelers. We do have Pittsburgh as being two point home underdogs with an over under of 40, My advice here, if Najee Harris is healthy, you're going to start him. In terms of the Patriots backfield, you're going to flex both Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. As long as he's healthy in this one, I am starting him with top 24 status. I will say, though, maybe temper your expectations from that clear-cut RB1 that he's been since he stepped on the field to more so of a high-end RB2, mid-end RB2 expectation for Najee Harris. From the fat side, I'm flexing both running backs, like I said. In week one, we did see an ugly three-man committee materialize between Stevenson, Harris, and Ty Montgomery, but... But with Ty Montgomery's recent placement on IR, I do expect the Pages to commit to this as a two-man backfield with Harris and Stevenson. And for Harris to remain that, you know, short down and distance between the tackles, you know, red zone type of rusher, with Stevenson taking the reins on long down and distance and third down situations. I do think if Stevenson is able to absorb the work left behind from Montgomery, I think we could potentially see a top twenty-four back materialize with Ramondre Stevenson. Onto the first game of the 4 p.m. slate off of the 1 p.m. slate. Of course, we got the Seahawks going on the road to play the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco is an eight and a half point home favorite with a 41 over under set in this game. In terms of this game, you can flex Rashad Penny and Jeff Wilson, and I would sit every single other running back. The Seahawks, we do know that for now. Penny is their lead running back, and until Walker can make his way onto the field and command work, he's going to remain that lead running back. Obviously, again, you got to temper your expectations given the lack of receiving usage we have seen from Rashad Penny in conjunction with potential negative game script going his way. But with Rashad Penny, he's at least shown the talent level to be a RB3 despite those shortcomings. For the 49ers end, their lead back with Elijah Mitchell went down was clearly Jeff Wilson. He handled all of the work upon Mitchell's injury. However, given the fact that we're still talking about the 49ers, it's still entirely plausible that with a full week of preparation, we do see the other running backs worked in with a caveat, of course, that if Debo Samuel does see more touches out of the backfield, it's going to hinder this overall running back core a good amount. Obviously, this is not a fun situation that I want to touch, but if I have to stick a play, I'm going to plug my nose and throw Jeff Wilson into my lineup and hope for that level of opportunity share we saw from week one. Next matchup, we do have the Falcons going on the road to play the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are 10.5-point favorites with a 46.5 over-under set for this game. You can start Cordero Patterson and Daryl Henderson and sit every single other running back in this matchup. We saw this past week that the Falcons' backfield was completely run by Cordero Patterson. He picked up exactly where he left off last year as the Falcons' main back, commanding 61% of the rushing attempts and owning a 54% row participation en route to 26% targets per row run. Patterson, to me, until proven otherwise, is an every week top 20 running back until, of course, we see the usage dip. Maybe, you know, when Tyler Algier is ready to command some work, that's when we see it. But for the time being, short term, Cordell Patterson should be viewed as a running back too from a fantasy football perspective. From the Rams side, obviously, we're starting Daryl Henderson. It still gives me a lot of pain to say this, but Henderson is clearly the Rams top back, at least for the time being. You can consider Henderson, at least for now, given the usage we saw in week one. As a mid to high end running back to obviously potentially linked and insulated to this high powered Rams offense that we expected going into the year, you can't start Cam Akers. The opportunity share just simply wasn't there. 18% of the snaps, 13% of the rushing attempts, 20% of the roads until he is actually used in this offense at a higher degree. You cannot put Cam Akers in your lineup, but Darren Henderson's got to be viewed as a top 15 running back. Next matchup, we do have the Cincinnati Bengals traveling on the road to play my beloved Dallas Cowboys. These sharps are actually on the Cowboys at plus seven here, 41 and a half over under. And in terms of this game, you're starting Joe Mixon and Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, and you can potentially flex Tony Pollard in this matchup. We know, of course, that if Joe Mixon and Ezekiel Elliott are healthy, they will be top 24 running backs. Obviously, more optimistic on Joe Mixon's side. You can expect top six to 10 level production from Mixon. And we saw in week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, He's coming off a 36 opportunity, full situational opportunity dominance from week one. If the pass game utilization keeps up for Mixon, I have no problem really adjusting him from a mid to back end running back one to a potential top five running back for the rest of the season. In terms of Ezekiel Elliott, his expectation to me is more so as a mid to low end running back two, getting their overall on touch workload and red zone dominance. If the Cowboys, of course, actually make it to the red zone. He's the clear running back one from Dallas for the time being, but I do feel fine flexing Tony Pollard. Not really great production this past week against the Bucs, but did see a near split in terms of workload compared to Elliott. Splitting the two-minute drill long down a distance and short down a distance evenly with Elliott, we'll kind of see in this game how close the split is, but I'm fine with flexing Tony Pollard and starting Ezekiel Elliott if you're in a pinch in this Cowboys backfield. Next matchup, we have the Texans traveling on the road to play the Denver Broncos, Denver's 10-point favorites, 45 over-under in this game. In terms of this matchup, you're starting Javante Williams, you're flexing both Rex Burkhead and Melvin Gordon, and you're sitting Damian Pierce. And we saw this past week that despite only handling 37% of the rushing attempts, Javante Williams was absolutely superb from a fantasy football perspective. 58% of the snaps, and posted a 62% route participation. We did see, too, when he was on the field, he commanded 29% of Russell Wilson's passes, so this is the clear third down back receiving back for the Denver Broncos. Actually led the Broncos in targets this past week. I have no problem ranking Javante Williams as a fringe top five running back given this level of dominance we see in the receiving game and the insulation we do have here tied to a Denver offense, so fire up Javante Williams top 10 running back for me this week I'm also comfortable starting with Melvin Gordon we did see that he commanded 41% of the snap share and actually led the team in terms of rushing share with 63% of the team rushing attempts with 63% of the team rushing attempts obviously as I kind of mentioned with the pros of Javante Williams Javante dominated a lot of the third down passing work but at least with Melvin Gordon we do expect a 40% share early down bruiser opportunity which we expected going into the year over here at fantasy stock exchange in terms of the Texans. Of course, we did get the shot of reality from Damian Pierce that Rex Burkhead really dominated the work in this backfield in week one. I do expect sooner rather than later that their roles will somewhat reverse, but Burkhead has to be viewed as a fringe top 24 play, at least for the time being, until Damian Pierce is actually able to dominate the role that fantasy drafters had over him. You guys can see the share on the screen, but Rex Burkhead looked like a workhorse: 67% route participation, 71% snap share, 20% target share and also all of the long, down, and distance and two-minute work out of this backfield in Week 1. Final matchup of the 4 p.m. slate, we do have the Arizona Cardinals going on the road to play the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are five-and-a-half point favorites in this one, 51-and-a-half over under his set. You're starting James Conner and Josh Jacobs, and you're sitting everyone else. And In Week 1, we did see that James Conner showed he is the clear-cut number one running back on the Arizona Cardinals, a team that I do expect to bounce back after that dismal showing they showed against the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, we know the Kansas City Chiefs are damn good at football. I expect the Cardinals to be more than fine going to this matchup against the Raiders. We did see, though, in that matchup against the Chiefs, Connor is a fringe top 12 level running back. Goal line autonomy, dominance we saw in the long, down, and distance and route participation areas. Connor has to be viewed as a workhorse running back. We'll see how the volatility ends up evening out for the rest of the season. But for the time being, for the short term, viewed Connor as a top 15 overall running back in fantasy football. In terms of Josh Jacobs, the other running back you should start in this matchup. He's a player that I do think is going to bounce back from a poor showing in week one. He dominated all of the rushing attempts on this Las Vegas team and posted a 42% row participation. Obviously, we know for the role for Jacobs, he's not going to play in long down and distance or third down situations, but I do think he has a prime opportunity to potentially punch one in, obviously full goal line autonomy for that Raiders offense this week against the Arizona Cardinals. So with Josh Jacobs, he's not the safest play, but I do think this is a prime opportunity for him to score and get that value back right for him let's go on to the Sunday night football game where the Bears go on the road to play the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay is 10 point favorites with a 41 and a half set over under in this game. You're starting both Packers running backs with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, and you're sending a tentative start on David Montgomery while sitting Khalil Herbert. With the Packers' backfield, I think we may finally be seeing that changing of the guard between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon actually saw more rushing work and was more dominant on a per-route basis in the receiving game while occupying a higher role on long down and distance and dominating that inside the five work. Dylan's going to be a top 15 running back me for the foreseeable future until we see Aaron Jones really take more of a dent out of his work with Aaron Jones. He still occupies a scat back plus role for this Packers offense, which I still expect to be valuable, but you have to temper your expectations. Maybe you drafted Aaron Jones to be a mid to low end RB one. I would more so put him in that mid to low and RB2 expectation. On so what we saw from his usage in week one, in terms of the bear side, David Montgomery is a start solely based on his dominance in week one for backfield opportunity, but I'm still not thrilled to start him obviously in a tough matchup against the green Bay Packers with what I expect to be a low scoring negative game script for David Montgomery squeaked into the start territory as my running back 24 overall, but my expectations aren't really high for what I expect to be an inefficient ugly game script. Like I said, for David Montgomery and this Bears offense as a whole. Now let's get on to the Monday night football slate. The last two games of this entire slate, the Titans go on the road to play the Buffalo Bills. Bills are 10 point favorites with a 48 over under set in this matchup. You're obviously starting Derrick Henry and I do feel comfortable flexing Devin Singletary in this one as a fringe top 30 level option with Derrick Henry. We obviously saw in week one, he was a bit disappointing, but he still saw 81% of the team's carries I'm still tempering my expectations, though. You guys would have saw on that matchup chart that this is actually the third hardest matchup on the entire slate at the running back position. I do think against the Bills front that really had their way with the Rams... We could potentially see the same happen here against the Titans. So with Derrick Henry, I do think he's going to get, you know, 20 to 25 touches, but expect some inefficient touches. And if he does pay off in this game, it'll come on the back of nose diving into the end zone. In terms of the Bills side, we did see this past week for the Buffalo Bills that there's not a ton of opportunity here and it is a split backfield, but he did take the bulk of the rushing attempts. And the only real situation that he ceded to Zach Moss was in short down and distance situations from a situational opportunity standpoint. So Devin Singletary, at least for the time being, I think is the Clear cut running back to own from the Buffalo Bills. So as a result, He's still going to get exposure to the rushing opportunity. He's still going to get exposure to potential touchdown scoring in this Bills elite offense. So he's a top 35 overall play regardless at the running back position. Matchup of the week, we got the Vikings on the road to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly actually opens as two point favorites in this game with a 50 and a half set over under. And in terms of this matchup, you're obviously starting Dalvin Cook and you can potentially flex Miles Sanders in this game. We did see this past week that Dalvin Cook saw a full-fledged bell cow opportunity in week one, even if the production didn't really look the greatest. We saw last week 25 opportunities. In that game, expect more of the same in week two until Dalvin shoulder inevitably pops. You got to start him as a middle end RB one expectation from the Eagles' side. You can flex miles Sanders, but still be wary that this looks like it could be a potential three man committee. You got to temper your expectations for Sanders to RB three, four status, given the huge split we saw from the Eagles in week one. With another impressive box score performance for Sanders, you could potentially sell them extremely high because a lot of casuals in your league are going to see the efficiency are going to see the touchdowns without actually acknowledging that this is going to materialize into an ugly committee, at least for the time being. Either way, though, I appreciate you guys for making it to the end of the video. And before you guys sign off, I want to give you a huge shout out over to Establish the Run. If you guys are familiar, Establish the Run creates high quality DFS and prop betting content. The founders, Adam Levitan and Evan Silva, are longtime fantasy experts that myself and Corey have followed for the last few years and can personally vouch for as being legit. If you guys play DFS, these are the most serious DFS guys around, having a team of people including Levitan, Silva, and Michael Leone creating weekly projections ownership projections, and even analyzing things like offensive and defensive line matchups each week to help you in weekly tournaments, as well as your season long leagues. You guys can go over to Establish to Run and use promo code FSC for 10% off any package they have to offer, whether that's DFS, player props, and in-season packages, all 10% off with promo code FSC. They also have free content available on their Established to Run YouTube channel. We appreciate the support from Established to Run over here at Fancy Stock Exchange. And until then, we'll see you this weekend for the live streams. Peace out.